This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. Deep Color is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The New York Studio School offers a range of programs, including internationally recognized drawing marathons, evening and Saturday classes, and a distinguished lecture series that is free and open to the public. Artists of all levels and experience are invited to join upcoming evening and Saturday classes. Visit nyss.org to view descriptions of upcoming courses and enroll online to become part of the New York Studio School today. This episode profiles Brian Chippendale. Brian is a visual artist and musician and one of the founding members of Fort Thunder, the seminal but now defunct work-live performance venue in Providence, Rhode Island. He is the drummer and singer of the noise rock duo Lightning Bolt and performs solo as Black Puss. His visual art is an explosion of invented worlds and characters, realized as comics, zines, screen prints, drawings, and paintings. In both his music and visual art, Brian organizes frenzied energy into powerful layers of information by filling entire spaces with action and gesture. To commemorate this episode, Brian and I made a very limited set of collaborative and unique prints. You can preview and purchase each print on the shop page at deepcolorpodcast.com. This conversation was recorded at Brian's studio space in Providence, Rhode Island, and is part two of a two-part episode. So it's, it, it, like, it really is a follow-up to yeah. sort of what cool. happened in that. But, you know, you were just saying as you sort of shuffling through some, some of your gear over there, I think you're pulling out some of your toys to put on our little <laughs> conversational table, table here, about the struggle about, like, what to call. Those are not my toys. Those are Rohan, my Those, son's okay. toys. I would never have toys of my own. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're talking about... Uh, or we're sort of going back and forth on what to call some of your visual art. I was referring to to them as paintings because they are on panels that come off the wall. They have a profile and they present like a painting. But you said, I you know I don't know if they're a painting. I, I, there might be more collages. Can you talk a little bit about like you know the binary language we use to describe this stuff and how it's problematic sometimes? And one person wants to call it this, and you call it that, and right, and like where you find peace in, in that sort of strange river i think i find no peace anywhere along that river um <laughs> my half sunk canoe i have just so many other things on my mind or something but yeah. I, yeah i've tended over the years and it's a little bit i mean i went to art school yeah. i went to art school you know i was probably around art school longer than most people were because i took a year off and then just sort of was around yeah but i somehow came out of art school still kind of unable to do to identify like, what's a drawing? What's a painting? What's a collage? Like, because everyone had this weird lingo where you're like, no, that's not a painting. That's right. a drawing. And you're right. like, oh, what do you mean? Like, I used, I used paint, but I, did I do it in a drawing manner or something? So, and I've, no one has ever really sat me down and been like, well, these, are, these are the rules of painting. These are the rules of drawing. These are the rules of, you know, collage. Do you think there are rules? I think some people have rules. Yeah, I would agree. I think some people have rules. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm of the school where 
I think that's it's up for us, the maker, to decide what these are. Right. Um, yeah. Which I think is part of, again, this is me coming from like up in the north in the woods and not in New York City where everyone knows a little more about this stuff. Because I feel like, I mean, I don't go to very many art shows yeah. and I don't, and it, which is actually, I mean, it's, you know, as we meander around this conversation, um, I, you know, being, staying in Providence, one of the pluses seemed like, I could just work all the time and yeah. not have to pay like a million dollars for rent or whatever. Right. And, um, and it's true, but you do really come as the years have progressed. It's, I, I miss out on a lot of seeing of stuff like real time art, which right. I'm sad about. There's but, a, go ahead. Oh, but anyway, back. So that's, so I feel like there's certain, you know, certain things that I, that concreted themselves in the place years ago. Like, well, I don't know what the drawing is and what a painting is and what a collage is. Um, didn't necessarily get fixed over the years. Like, right, I, I don't think it was important in those years. Like yeah, we're talking important. about the like mid late nineties, maybe. Yeah, or just even now. I mean, at this point, like I, I still don't, <laughs> I still haven't had those conversations. Right. But for the work, the reason I tend to, and it's almost like they're not descriptions so much as disclaimers or something when I'm talking to people. Or actually, it's something I'm interested in. Is that I generally don't when I make these larger works. Um, that look like paintings, I generally don't work directly onto the surface. I generally work, I make all my marks, whether they're with pencil or spray paint or crayon or they're like found footage, like silkscreen stuff that I have lying around or even mm -hmm. some other, someone else's drawing, yeah, whatever I find. you're making all the pieces. I make all the pieces like, you know, off-site yeah. or whatever and then I put it together onto right. the thing. So I think of them as, you know, they're, they're, they're collaged together. Right paintings yeah yeah no, I, I i use that word collage to describe my own work too i also use the word assemblage sometimes i think that word collage suggests like something that fits in your lap and you cut pictures out of a magazine yeah, and, and use course. a glue stick so i and i and i and i i truly believe that your work is more than that so because no one's lap is yeah these are too big yeah. yeah yeah these and are you'd have to be a big yeah um titans collage but i think I it's like, like a, you know at Either way, I think it's an interesting exercise to sort of parse out. But does assemblage how it describes those? Does assemblage sometimes feel kind of three dimensional or no? Mm, I think it still can be on on a plane, on a two D plane, like mm -hmm. Rauschenberg, for example. Um, Was he an assemblage artist? I, I I I think so. Yeah. Did you ever see that that Caprau book? Uh, what is it? Happenings, environments, and assemblages. Maybe not in that order. Assemblages. This was, man, this is like one of those treasures from, from the Rhode Island School of Design Library that Kirschenbaum, who was like the art history professor, who's probably like 200 years old by now and I think it's still around, was awesome. Yeah. Um, he just pulled this out somewhere and it was just this, it's this kind of like, has like a mesh cover um, and then like this big thick book with like different, a few different kinds of papers and it's just, um, it's like the happenings m moment sure. in New York and then it's also these environments and assemblages. So it's just this right. variety of just like piles yeah. of shit. Um, houses just stuffed full of way too much stuff, like yeah. weird people in the woods that made like kind of cave crazy places. Yeah. And I got that book and like my mind just was blown at, at art school. Like okay. I think that was integral to every path I went down was just oh, cool. like that's finding like a, this book. That's a keystone book. It's a keystone book. Yeah. And the amazing thing is like, uh, I don't know, maybe... I don't know, t probably 10 years ago now, like well into eBay at some point I was just like, holy shit. Like there might be another copy of that book. Like 
that one of the RISD library, like I can find these things. Yeah. It's sort of. You have one now. You have so a I bought one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. it costs three hundred bucks. It's one of my biggest like, whatever. Seems like a worthwhile investment, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Where is it now? It's in a box, but because <laughs> I moved it two years ago, and yeah. my life is in the shambles of moving and then having a kid. But it's one of those magic items, yeah, and, yeah. and it definitely was like a keystone book. Cool. I think it's also, you know, worth pointing out that it makes sense to me that defining these things is sort of a futile task for you in here because I think there's a bleed in your work. Um, finding things in my, in my studio no, is no, a futile task. No, no, oh, no, no. Like how to describe these things. Right. And like where the boundaries uh, are for a painting versus a drawing versus a comic versus a screen print versus an album cover versus a poster versus the music you make. Because I think one of the, th there's, th there's a through line through all those different forms and it's, for me, as a viewer and a listener, it's layers, it's um, collaging of, of different elements, um, it's fullness, it's action. Um, and with, with some of the visual art, there's a narrative, and maybe there's some narratives in your songs, but would those be accurate, sort of, dis or is that an accurate way for me to describe a through line between all your different modes of working? Yeah, I, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Th that, I like that. That sounds, okay. sounds good to me. Because I, I get... I get angry at the, not angry, but I get frustrated by the limitations. Like I've been printing a lot lately. It's like printing season. Right. Still screening. And, um, but then when I, I basically sort of design a print and then I follow through on that print. But then, you know, it's like the cool thing about print making is you can print on anything. So I have all these yeah. showing you earlier. I have these like piles of these smaller papers that I just dump layers onto. And then I yeah. have other larger ones that I just dump layers onto. And then sometimes I'll like, print some stuff and then draw something in the middle and then print some more stuff on top. And you're just like, this stuff is the best stuff. Yeah. This is like what I'm really excited about. Um, and, uh, but it's, you know, with printmaking, it still makes sense to me to make these like additions of a concrete image. And that's just in terms of trying to market these things, trying yeah. to actually sell them. It's just sure. easier. Sure. Um, in, in my world. Yeah. But do, does does the the term bleeding make sense? Like how these things sort of bleed in went from one to the next, and then sometimes, I mean, I think your your images potentially operate like a soundtrack for some of your music, or vice versa. Um, I don't. Know, I guess that's why, I like, not knowing how to, how to define these things, or like using a few different ways to describe it makes sense because there's this like sharing that happens from one thing to the next. Right. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Bleeding. I love bleeding. Yeah. Is there, is there, while you're working on this stuff, I mean, I guess I'm wondering, like, where, does, where, where does, where do, does, does the music come first, or does the visual art come first, or does it take, do they change places? I guess we're talking about how they share with each other. They, they sort of share. I don't, I don't know if, if, if they consciously interact that much. Right. That um, might be me, the viewer, and any other viewer yeah. just applying our own logic to this stuff. I mean, I think they, they interact in that they exist they they exist in the same universe and they like are made by the same creator. Yeah. And they come out of the same like well of energy. And I think while I'm doing them all, I'm probably subconsciously looking for the same stuff. Yeah. Which is to sort of like make up a plan get too enthusiastic about the plan and then hopefully go off the rails and find something new. Right. And all the different genres. Right. And so like, 
because um and, and and so i just think i approach it all with the same sort of mentality yeah and i i mean it's almost but and i yeah and i guess i'm attracted to the same sort of stimulus across these different platforms yeah. which is just like bright and yeah action full. oriented and full. full yeah and i probably and i come across with the same frustrations like like say in music maybe we're like working on songs and we're and or i'm working on songs or something and uh and it becomes really frustrating to lock into this song right and i think in visual art it becomes really frustrating to lock in like with printmaking like you make your you make your design and you sort of follow through and you make changes along the way yeah um and i've been actually trying to like like on the print I'm making right now, it's like I design a four color print, but I'll find some fifth acetate around the room and mm-hmm. I'll throw in sort of like an anarchy color to see what happens, just to let it into the addition and just be like, but something that will complement, like something that will yeah. overlap and make new colors. Right, right, right. I'm going to be like, I'm going to design this thing, but I'm going to grab that yeah. and throw it in. And right. so, yeah, it's like trying to, I guess it's like having a mind that sort of, I don't know, having a narrative mind that likes story but uh, but having a love hate relationship with that and wanting right. to trip it up and finding solutions to trip it up and that works with like making a song and but trying to like infuse it because mistakes sort of feel like that's like li- like life is that's that's the living part or something sure yeah it sounds like you want to introduce something that um, makes this thing feel alive in a new way kind of yeah it, or or it just surprises you to keep you like wanting to return to it yeah. Um, yeah, you don't want to keep repeating the same thing over and over again. I imagine. Right. Yeah, not really. Yeah, but so the, at the same time, there's something comfortable about repetitive systems. Of, sure. Like my like uh, I have a few like my my latest painting work or collage work has been more mark making abstract like non storytelling. Where previously I was doing um, generally m- more like like characters that I was printing and then sort of cutting them up into these scenes. Yeah. And I just got tired of being locked into this like really obvious interpretation like oh there's a guy on a in a field and he's running and there's this a guy running. I don't know, it was like right. very comic oriented. Right. Some sort of interaction like, between a, a handful of characters. Yeah, characters yeah. doing something in a in a context. Yeah. And I and I like it the same way I like I mean not to compare my stuff to like watching you know the Lord of the Rings movies or something, but I'm just like, and we've talked about world building before, but yeah. just like I like creating like these scenes and these characters and these places and sort of like these like like really saturated color environments and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely immersive. Yeah, your but then I your get frustrated. You're creating. I get frustrated with the same thing because then if you you know you you create a world and then. And then sometimes you forget to like let the marks speak for themselves in this world because it's hard to sort of thread the needle between narrative work and abstract work and like like how can you make narrative work that's like abstract enough where it where it has the energy of abstraction but yeah. coherent enough where it has some kind of narrative. So yeah. I, I've been I've been like and it's the same with songs like how do you make a song that's like a song enough so people are like can recognize it when it comes around the next Yeah, it sounds time. like you're talking about structure. There's yeah. like a structure to a narrative painting. There's usually less structure in an abstract work of art. <laughs> There's less structure and then similar in with abstract. your music, right? Like I mean, you tinker with structure I think in both forms, your 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 music and your visuals. You're sort of like removing the structure in places and then re- reintroducing it. I think that's one of the great things cuz like as as the the person absorbing it 
like there's these moments where you feel kind of lost and unsure and like wondering where your footing is. And then all of a sudden you, you're like, here it is. And then we bring the riff back. <laughs> but I think it's effective. It like keeps me coming back. I think, I don't yeah. know if that's part of the, the, the plan. You talked about sort of setting out a plan, but that's one of the things that, that I think is, you know, quite successful in your work is this sort of like, here's some structure. I'm going to take it away. How do you feel about it? Here's a little bit back, but maybe like tweaked a little bit. Um, it, it works. I mean, that's great. That sounds yeah. great. I like, I like that. That is, I guess one of my goals as, as I, I mean, I've never been, I don't, I don't, it's funny. I'm just so like, I, I'm like the constant naive worker. I just sort of like keep it. I just do it. Right. I don't think that much about it. Right. Which I think is, is great. And then, I mean, it, it keeps it fresh within a world, but then it also sometimes like keeps you into your default mode. Cause you do occasionally have to think yourself out of your, even if you're like feeling great and feeling free, I think it's still good to step back and think about like the vocabulary you're using or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's well said. I wanted to sort of like circle back to the world building and um, maybe reference the, the live rec um, recording conversation we did. One of the things that I like miffed talking, talking to you about then um, connected to this world creation or the ideal conditions for um, making your work and we're sitting in your studio space right now which is in providence rhode island and you're you've been here for a couple years yet you still describe describe to me when i came in as not feeling settled yet can you talk about sort of how you want this space to be set up um to to be what you what you envision it to be needs more shelves more shelves more storage <laughs> more storage and there's a lot of shelves yeah. already yeah i mean i have a I used to, we used to live in, like, like for years, I lived in my studio, and, and it was just this mixed-use space, and, and, um, and, and I loved it like that, yeah. and then, and then the last couple of years, I have not, like, you know, we, we've moved, we have an apartment, just, you know, because having a little child, and the, just, it just makes more sense right. for us, right? and this, and this new space is just not the most living, friendly space for multiple reasons, um, including lead on some of the windows. Sure. Uh, but uh, I, I should clarify: we're in a warehouse space, we're in, in an warehouse. old mill building, which is yeah. something that you don't see too much of in New York City. I mean, there obviously there are old big mill buildings, but you have a whole floor. Um, kind of have a I have like a multiple building. floors. Yeah, yeah. you've I got, got like three levels, pretty high ceilings, multiple rooms, different areas for doing different types of works. Your basement is like the exposure. Um, which you said was a tanning bed, which I thought was like a great little hack. Yeah. Um, which somebody just delivered to us years ago, and I've been yeah. carrying it around for years. Yeah, it's like a tanning bed. And, and your so. spray booth down there to like blow the screens out is down there. And then up here is like your your drumming area and a recording setup. Um, store some storage. You, you said you want more, but these tables look like. Is this where you do the screen printing? This is printing and drawing. Yeah. Printing. Yeah, I I do actually do most of my drawing at like a weird little table off okay. to the side. Okay. So you have like a dedicated little drawing zone. Yeah, I have a little drawing zone. Okay. Um, but the thing I haven't really set up in this new studio is like a collage. I usually have like a collage zone. Yes. And I haven't really set that up. Right. Like I pull some stuff out when I'm doing, but I haven't been doing too much of that since I moved in. It's right. mostly been drawing and printing mm -hmm. and music. So since I've always had a living space, like I still, I just, and I, and since I have so much space, I think, you know, each, each, the basement's like, and this floor, like 1500 square feet each. Yeah. And then the little loft is, I don't know, small, but 
but a good amount yeah, I should of mention the loft up there is all succulent plants. It's like a little greenhouse yeah. up there. It doesn't look like making happens up there. That's Not like, really. That's like a thinking space or just like a... Like it's a, just plants It's right just now. plants. Yeah, but do you sit up there? Plants and, and cats. I don't. Sort of catch your breath, I don't. so to speak? But that's that's the plan is to yeah. make that like a kind of like a more comfortable area. That's supposed to be, yeah, like the kind of draw, yeah. space out, getaway zone with like plants and some sun. Right. Because it has like these, it has a, what is it, cupola or cupola, whatever the, like a cupola, pop, cupola yeah. pops up with the windows all around it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the summer, I like some of those windows open and the plants go on the roof and then I go sit out on the roof too. So I just, so for me, fine tuning the studio is sort of like, just like getting a little place where I can cook, um, getting, yeah, just getting stuff more organized, just like feeling for me, for some reason, studios still have to feel like a home to me, even yeah. though I don't live here anymore. Yeah, there's so, got to be a cozy factor or something. Yeah, like I need that. some kind of cozy factor, which I know some people are, they don't, it's the, it's like the opposite. They want right. to come in and feel like this is the work zone. Right. And it's probably, it's probably one of my, it's like a weird hang up I have that I have to make it kind of feel cozy because I spend a lot of time like working on just some shit i shouldn't you know like i need some shelves for books it's just like why well, I, I don't i mean i should just take the books home or something like or like i i spend some time on like this sort of cozifying and designing the space to be like its own place yeah it feels um, like that i should also mention you have two cats that live yeah, here plus the cats live here so um they, i probably counted what half a dozen litter boxes on god yeah. <laughs> all over the place yeah and then there's those are the litter boxes there's yeah. the litter boxes that, you know and then yeah. there's the litter boxes yeah. the litter boxes that you see and the litter boxes that they create right right um which is but, a but it does feel like for how i know you as a person and for the type of work that you make and, and someone that i know is is like really focused on output and different types of output and capturing information and i've heard you like say before capturing information and multiplying it and then like blowing it back out these spaces that you live and work in now just work and do feel like they facilitate that no they do yeah they do because that seems important i th- yeah. feel like that's what you're describing like not a like pristine no making area. no i don't need yeah like the the franticness and sort of semi-organized chaos that's in here is important it's sort of important yeah. and the filth is sort of important too as much yeah. as i try to like sort of fight it but you know, over the years, I've gotten like a little more. My my brain liked to be a little more organized and a little more clean, and have a little more floor space and a few less piles. But, but I think that's c- just because you're getting older and are, are a parent now, or, is, or what the, is it? it? Might be the Jung influence. Yeah, just because she's so. Because <laughs> you know, it's nice when she visits the studio that right. we share, and so <laughs> me like cleaning it up makes it. I just like trash it, and she's just like, I can't even go there. Yeah, it's, you trash it's it. good to have those people in our lives. To sort yes, of, yeah. sort of. Sort go, of stand us up straight or something yeah, bring it back we'll talk a little bit about the historical um because i think like a certain contingent of your fan base will be bummed if i don't bring up fort thunder and how fort thunder sort of influenced every space that you've every studio space that you've had since then can you give a quick little blip of history on what fort thunder was for people that might not know what it is yeah so i mean fort thunder was a space i shared with Originally four and then up to like 12 or 15 or whatever of like friends and allies from uh, 95 through 2001. In Providence. In Providence. Onlyville, actually. Onlyville. Yeah. The Onlyville area. In a big old, you know, I think it was like late 1800s mill building that is now gone, destroyed Mm -hmm. um, for a parking lot. And, uh, And it was the first mill space I lived and worked in. Prior to that, I just lived in houses in Providence and like prior to that, like growing up outside of philadelphia like i hadn't ever seen this kind of stuff right um 
And uh, yeah, it was just we we built our own. It was just a big blank canvas. We built our own rooms at a time when we we had very little money, so we built them out of all sorts. Of right. It was hazardous. like what five thousand square feet? How big was no, it? No, it was just, like just seven, for some context here. seven thousand square feet. Pretty big. It was big. Multiple rooms. Yeah. Multiple uh, rooms. There was sort of a huge show space zone, and then there were uh-huh. like all kinds of living spaces tucked yeah. all to the like through one half of the space. I think in my notes, I wrote I wrote it down as like a live work performance venue. Pretty much, yeah. Is, and then we had a that practice fit? that fits. Yeah. And then we had a practice space where like um, I, lightning bolt and and just me myself, and then some other people practiced. Yeah. Although we definitely sort of hogged it. Um, right. And because uh, we were the founders, right? Yeah. Well, so <laughs> so we held against. Yeah, I, I sort of want to like my follow up question or like comment to that is Fort Thunder existed what twenty five years ago, twenty years ago. Yeah, I guess it, so. it, it well, sounds it, it crazy. Died to say that about eighteen years ago, seventeen years yet, ago. So. Yet people still want to talk about it, and I think yeah. well, on one hand, that's like a salute to its its power and its influence on everyone that was able to like experience it. On the other hand, you must be tired of talking about it. I, I, I mean, I am, but it's you know, I, I, it's almost like I still maybe it stopped two years ago when Rohan, our son, arrived. But I had, a, I have like a yearly dream. At some point during the year, I have this dream where I'm like biking past that area, and I look over, and it's still there. It's like the building's not destroyed. Yeah, yeah. And I go in, and all the shit's still in there, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, let's <laughs> let's move back in. Yeah. Like, what? Let's restart it. Let's do it. Yeah. What? Why not? You know. Yeah. What do we? Why do we leave? And yeah. then, you know. Then I wake up or whatever, and it's, <laughs> it's so it's weird. But yeah, it had a huge. It, it's sort of like if if my life were a LP or something or a series of records, it's like it's like the hit record. Like everyone talks about right. this era. That's a good way to describe it. Um, because and I describe it that way because as my band in my band, I we have like a, a record that everyone likes the best generally. Is that Ride Disguise? It, it's not. It's Wonderful Rainbow. Oh, okay. It came right after Ride Disguise. Right, right, right. Okay. It's sort of the one people talk about the most. Yeah. Um, but everyone, you know, but again, for records, I feel like everyone's favorite record is the record that they like were introduced to. Yeah, the so, first one they heard. So it changes. Yeah. But that one definitely holds a lot of weight right. critically to people. Right. But, um, but Fort Thunder was a magical place. And for me, it taught me, I think... It, it it was like a live-in installation. I mean, yeah. I, my my art my art production at that time was a lot of drawing, and then just you know on for myself or for whatever like that. I did that not on the walls, but anything other than drawing, like sculptural and even printing and stuff. Like it all ended up getting glued into this place. So yeah. I spent a lot of time just like decorating. Yeah, like a like a really important swirl took place there it feels like for all your different modes yeah it could it could really just encompass everything like yeah. you know you build some like weird shit hut thing yeah. and then play drums inside i mean it's so simple and sounds so well i mean there's some version of that taking place here right i just described your studio and yeah it continues you know and there's hints of um from what i can recollect from 25 years ago when i was last when, at fort thunder there's literally pieces i mean there's it. some of it here so it does <laughs> it's just like you know it's 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 but, been redefined and repurposed but th- you know there's yeah. part of it that seems like it's still with you for sure yeah for yeah. sure i made it I, this is where i started like getting self-depreciating but like a, a bunch of years ago i had like a, i built a house a, a paper house that went in the Rizzi museum for this show yeah. maybe we talked about this last time 
But um, the, one of the this like young curator came up and you know it was like covered with patterns and had like inside was outside was patterns inside were like patterns with scenes and stuff mm-hmm. of these like because I was doing sort of these character scenes at the time, and um, he was like, oh, it's cool, it's like Fort Thunder light, and I was just like, oh. Fort Thunder light, yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, that's so true, yeah, but so so kind of brutal. I bet you, I mean, I bet you that's coming out of like the context. That in a museum is way different than that well, yeah. in I mean, a warehouse. I, I could have put, you know, I could have yeah. literally taken a chunk of Fort Thunder and put it in a, in a museum. And you'd it say the same thing, Fort I bet. Thunder light. But I bet you'd say the same thing. Yeah. Because there's a white wall and a person at a desk and a security guard. Yeah. It just changes the experience. But I was psyched. It's like I actually, I built like, I built this kind of cool geometric thing. It was like this house that came apart and came back together. And yeah. So I was, I was, I could take it. I was just like, yeah, you're right. You know, but everything after everything that relates to that place after that place is gone is going to be unless we, you know, because in order to make it Fort Thunder heavy, it would just have to be so illegal or so, it would have right. to be so, cause it was like, we were just, you know, no building, co- like we were just building shit out of whatever. We were just having huge yeah. parties, you know, to, to ramp it up. Like there's these places now, like um, Meow Wolf and have you seen heard of Meow Wolf in um, Albuquerque? You know Santa Fe. It's, I'm not, I it's think like in Albuquerque. A, it's like a version of what what Fort Thunder was. I don't know what you know. It is an art. It's it's a George R. R. Martin like donated a bunch of money to have it built. But I think oh, it's wow. it's there's some Rizzy people involved and and um and it's it's you know it's entirely their own creation. But it's like a and I haven't been there. Although I weirdly think I walked through when they were building it because I went to some place mm-hmm. where they were building some vast place. But, it, you know, it's it's as much related to Fort Thunder as it's related to, like, every other historical, you know, right. fun house type place. And there's been a bunch over the years. Right, right, right. Like, people would come into Fort Thunder and be like, this is like Merzbau in the 20s or whatever. Like, yeah. Or I've seen pictures of... Yeah, it strikes me as the type of place that someone has their version of yeah. wherever they've been. But that's like a really legitimate, like, you know, kids go there and it's yeah. just like safe and it's... it's But it's got all these rad rooms. Cool. Or so, I, so it looks like in the photos. Yeah. And, you know, and to me, in, in it... I could say like, well, that's kind of like in my mind, that's like a Fort Thunder light because it's like a really safe version of what we did, which is just like build towers out of garbage and then like precariously dangle ourselves on top right. and then like you know walk out with a and have five hundred people over. To yeah, and then just stand like have it. people come over and like have wrestling matches and, and be sweaty. <laughs> people would break their nose and we laugh it off and yeah, yeah. and you you know it, it's just the day and age actually where you you just kind of can't do that. You know, there was like just the other day, just the other day, just the other eight months ago in Providence, um, some kids had a, there was like some RISD kids had like a birthday party in somebody else's mill and um, somebody got super drunk, I think the story is, and then um, and then the mom of the student, I don't know if sued, I don't know, like basically informed on, it just, you know. It so, got legal. Yeah, so it got, le- it got legal. Yeah. And there was like RISD there was like a teacher that rented space in that mill. Um, I'm so mangling this story, but anyway, like teachers got suspended. Oh, wow. It's just like a different world. Yeah. We're like living in Donald Trump's world. Like you, like she gets, you just get sued. Yeah. Yeah. Liability in the U S is, it feels is out of control. It feels different. Yeah. And, and, and it never even occurred to me, you know, that like, Oh my God, if like there's underage drinking and, like nobody gave a shit. I mean, in the ni- this was the nineties yeah. and the and the early two thousands. Like, 
I just don't think like people didn't call their parents every time parents didn't exist <laughs> yeah yeah since like when you went to college you were you were gone yeah you were at like least that's college. how i mean unless I you're there. really fucked up and then even then i feel like even then if 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 you if something had bad happened like you'd still sort of like we got to protect the scene like yeah. we got to take this drunk body and throw it down the street or something because <laughs> they can't get caught in our clubhouse yeah Let's let's shift over to the physical because I think that's another thing that you know I started off talking about like the bleed from one thing to a next the next is like your work feels very physical because I the I I feel like I can sense the physical process of making these things, but then your drum set is right here and that for anyone that knows you as a drummer and as a player and has seen you perform, the athleticism that you put forth while you play drums is is almost incomprehensible and I've heard you talk about how great that feels physically mm-hmm. um can you talk about that sort of summoning up that sort of mindset and energy to play drums and and how sort of that translates maybe to some of of the visual stuff uh, maybe i'm reaching there but i but i'm just trying to build a bridge between these different modes of action and physicality right yeah right um yeah absolutely playing drums is I, it's like an instrument I stumbled into, but I was like a, I'm like a, I was a physical kid. I was like a physical whatever. Yeah, you struck me as someone that like didn't sit still very much. I didn't sit still very yeah. much, as and which is karmically coming back to me for, through my two year old, of course. <laughs> um, and I was like pretty good at sports. I like did sort of I did sports until my hair got too long or I couldn't see the ball anymore. What sports? I played soccer and I played baseball. Okay. Um, and I was like, you know, I was like, I probably could have been really good if I had fully applied myself to, but I was sort of you know, sort of spacing out and would yeah. rather be drawing kind of. Right. But I love being physical. I've always been physical. And so when I literally like lost a coin toss and landed into drumming instead of singing, which is what I wanted to do at right. the time, it was actually a, a straw drawing thing with some friends way back. Drawing and, straws, you drew the shortest straw. Uh, yeah, I lost the, the straw draw <laughs> and I ended up playing drums instead of singing. And it was like the best loss. If you ever want to talk, you know, talk people talk about like this this thing I lost was like the best right. thing ever or whatever. It was like one of those best things ever. Yeah. Although I probably would have, maybe I would have found it yeah. anyway. Who knows? But because it, it's sort of like it, you, it's like you can play a sport, but it has an artistic output or a yeah, musical. Yeah. And it's for me, it's just like it's just so spot on. Yeah, it's like everything. It's like baseball and drawing at the same time. Yeah, I mentioned it in the other other um, conversation we had that. You know, when I see you drum, there's like that's like an illustration of pure freedom, and and full like. autonomy because it just looks like you're like in this in this world that you've created of of sound and just movement, and there's like nothing that could sort of like interrupt the like joy that's coming out and sort of feeling that's coming out. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, and even when kids like because we historically have played like amongst the crowd, although that's sort of changed up over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, even when the kid rolls over my shit, it's still yeah. like I can jump back. Yet. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's 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 like an awesome. I'm I'm just got really lucky. Yeah, and How? I love it, and I work and I work at it. Yeah, because I love it. This might be annoying, but how would you describe your playing? I've heard it described as from other people, um, like a sustained uh, finale, firework show finale. <laughs> I've heard it described as like a sustained so like drum solo or like drum fill is, is that a term yeah yeah that's I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna show my ignorance i'm like not a musician but i know what a fill is it's like the i've the heard fill it between defined a as a uh 
a like complicated paradiddle <laughs> on acid. But what like if you were to get to describe it to someone, what I th- would you say? I, I would probably not say those things just because that might give me more credit than because right. I I mean I relax into beats and I um and I do like drum fills when it's drum fill time to some extent. But yeah. I also try our songs tend to come out of like kind of like the. The, on the crazy side of like what would be called a normal beat or like the aggressive side of what would be called a normal beat. Yeah. Um, because it's um, partially it's just cause like my main band is a two person band, mm-hmm. which is called lightning bolt, which is called lightning bolt for, for context. Yeah. And it's drums and bass. And I do some singing too. Um, so I, I kind of won that struck yeah. draw. Cause I get to sing now yeah. too. Uh, that happened in 1988. But uh, but there's there's a lot of limitations on just being a two person band. So you have to you have to push it in some direction to try to find some new places. Yeah. And I feel like you know you could go minimal maybe and go that way, but we've kind of gone maximal within a two person band. Yeah. But it's got that fullness. I mean, the way that you play has that yeah. fullness that your visual art has, and I think that's a. I mean, some people have said bridge. that like the bass player is really playing drums, and I'm like just doing guitar solos over huh. the top. That's but a good way to look at it too. That's one way, but but at the same time, I also like a lot of times I'm just playing a pretty straight yeah. beat. Yeah. Um, I you know I, I just try to like for me, I I just get carried away and I get psyched and and things get a little faster mm-hmm. and things get a little sloppier and 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 it just r- usually ramps up. So and and our best songs I think are taken out of our best practices, yeah. which are the ones where like it gets ramped up. A little more right, than ever or right. something so like all of our songs are generally written out of jamming and um and uh just like my prints are made out of generally out of like jamming draw you know yeah. like draw jams like it, everything yeah for me it's improvising it's improvising and then just trying to find something like looking into the impro- improvisation and trying to find something you can latch onto that yeah. you could repeat in another setting right and then, or oh, you really you like discover that thing that felt really good, or like hit the right notes. Yeah, and yeah, pulling that out and playing with it some more. Right, yeah. but it's a slow process, especially for like we're an old band and like it, you know. You, again, like working within your default systems and not putting as much thought into it as yeah. we should to expand, just to like force expansion. Yeah. So it's um, but yeah, but drumming is I can. I, I you know I, I try to play every day I, I I fail especially now with like having a kid my time isn't what it was mm-hmm. it's a share I've how do you keep time how do you I mean it's like I said it's so athletic how do you take care of yourself I, I so don't take care of myself now I took I used to just like get a good sleep and eat some good meals yeah and now I can't do that it's like I I'm not I can't even do that are you still doing jujitsu I was up until um I started doing jujitsu about three three and a half years ago uh-huh. or something. And, um, and yeah, I've been doing it probably like twice. I take like two classes a week and then I go away for tour and I miss it. And then like I lose, you know, something happens with Rohan and I miss it. But, um, yeah, about three weeks ago I got my blue belt, which is like the next belt after white, which was felt really awesome. Um, it's like a, you know, it's like a, it's a big step. And then I was a blue belt for an hour and, uh, and then my, <laughs> I popped like my knee. So, I, I think I currently have a tear in my knee a little oh, bit. Man. Luckily not Can my, you feel it while you play? And it's not my kick drum knee, it's oh, my okay. other knee. I can feel it all the time, which I need to go see a doctor about oh, it. Man. And I think I also have I think I have two broken toes on my left foot. But aside from Get that Get that checked out, man. So I'm taking a little break from Jiu Jitsu <laughs> while I like But I don't know. I just still have a lot I just like I love physical stuff and I feel like um 
that stuff feeds itself. So you just have to keep, I just have yeah. to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, just do it like the re, you know, I think I can still play. I, I, when we play shows, even now having not slept a full night's sleep in two years of having a kid, like I, when we go play like a string of shows, like we'll maybe go away for like five to 10 shows at a time. That's like about as much as I can leave Jung alone with right. Rohan for mini tour, mini tours. We're weekend war. We're like extended weekend warriors mm-hmm. just until he gets a little older and a little more regulated. But, um, I feel great when I play. Yeah. I feel like, like as strong as ever and, you know, or stronger. And I, I think as you, you, um, and I'm 45 now and it seems like I shouldn't, maybe I should feel, but, um, I, uh, I think you also just learn to be more sort of like economic about your, even, even though I'm not trying to be smarter about how I drum, I probably am being smarter about how I drum. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's hard, it's hard, it's really hard to compare that stuff. It's hard to compare physicality, even in jujitsu, because in jujitsu you kind of get, the better you get sort of like the less energy you're supposed to have Mm -hmm. to use. But I don't know, man, I, I like roll with like ripped 22 year old, you know, cops or whatever that are just, you know, just want to, and, and, and I just have to like, this and, is and the, I want this is in this, uh, jujitsu. Yeah. This yeah, is not yeah. drumming. This yeah, is, yeah. Uh, well, actually it's occasionally drumming too. I've definitely yeah. probably been tackled by rip 22 year old cops. <laughs> another, I think another s- sort of bridge from, from drumming to drawing is, uh, and I'm just thinking about the language I use in the classroom talking about, uh, rhythm and tempo in your drawing. And I mean, maybe that's a, a way to pivot back into the art is sort of the rhythms that you create and the spaces you fill with your drums and then the spaces and rhythms you create in your paintings. Um, is there, I mean, is that a fair sort of, sort of like reintroduction, the tempo and rhythm? It, it could be. I, I haven't thought that much about sort of like spatial relationships in my paintings mixed with yeah, I mean, maybe I haven't thought that much, but I can just sort of, I can think about it right now and look at it. But no, I can because I've actually, I think my drumming has, I think the spaces have widened ever so slightly between yeah. in my beats. Um, and I think it's the same thing in my, in my work. Like there is more space, there's more like breathing room in my space. Yeah. In my breathing room, my space, breathing room in, in the marks. Yeah, your I compositions make. are there. Yeah, there's more distance between some of the bigger marks. Yeah, the things are uh-huh. loosening up a little bit. It's just so you can get in there. And, and I, I, I believe it with the music too. It's just like, I'm, I think I used to not care. Like I wanted, I was, I was perfectly happy to make like a brick wall for you to knock your head into. But yeah. now I want there to be some entry points. Yeah. So you're considering um, audience? A little bit. Yeah. yeah Is I that guess something so. that you've always. Have you always just sort of made what you want to make, whether it's your music or your art, and then yeah. hope that the audience like it? Or are you starting to think about think pre- just, presenting something I mean, uh, to the audience? I mean, I've been sort of lucky way. that, like, it just seemed from, like, day one, the audience sort of did like it. Yeah. Some of them, you know, not everybody by any means. Like, we're not, we're not like, a very commercial band, but we, we are in the sense that we're, like, successful and we could just do it. Yeah. Like, if I just did music, I could just do music. Like, we're at that at this place. Yeah. I, I um, mean, I'll just say that I think you, you guys are a known band. We're a known band. You you are listed by Rolling Stone as one of the 100 greatest living drummers of all time. Is that is that the article? It's the greatest. Even some of them are dead. Oh, wow. So, living the greatest ever. I that, think I'm in the living I mean, category. but Just to give people some, some idea. I was pretty far down on that list. <laughs> 
It's that pretty. Impre- I mean, you're on it. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm on it. And, and, the, and the dead people, like I, you know, if, if I get better, yeah, they, they're, they, it's not like they're going to get higher. On Who the was list. number one on the list? I don't even remember. Neil Pert or something like that. No, he didn't get way up there. Yeah, probably John Bonham or yeah. Ginger Baker or somebody. I mean, yeah. you know, people are legitimately like really good, yeah. but it's not like they're going to get any better. Yeah. Oh uh, it, wait, is Ginger Baker still alive? Anyway, John Bonham is not going to get any better, so I could I could creep up on him. I could right. gain some numbers. But uh, but yeah, I've I don't. The only thing, everything I've done, has been fairly intuitive and just I I've I actually have considered very little over the years about any of it. Yeah, I just think my sensibility. You're just going. I'm just going. Yeah, and there's certain things that I do that I like. I mean, I think because I'm my I'm it's like I'm my first audience member, and I have to and I just have to satisfy that and that. And you hope that that satisfies other stuff. Like, like with music, I uh, have always, um, I sing some. I don't sing a ton, but I sing some. And partially, and I do it because I like it. Yeah. But I also, and I need to do it. I have like things I need to emote as a, I just make, you know, I just, these things I want to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or whatever. But I'm not a huge fan of going and seeing bands that are like instrumental bands. Um. Because it just seems, I don't know. I th- I think the voice is like a it's it's the entry point for music a lot of times. Okay. Like it's the door you could walk through as an audience member. Because uh-huh. like everyone in the audience, not everyone. I mean, some people don't have a voice, but every you know for the for the most part, like that that's the bridge you can ride in on and then get involved in the crazy music. So yeah. I, I like I like having that voice thing there to bridge over to the audience. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do it for that reason. I just. Maybe I justified it after the fact, like, oh, this is, or I thought maybe that that's what that is, or right. it makes sense to me as like an idea. Right. Let's, um, you know, in that other conversation, we talked about world creation and a little bit in this conversation. And, and one of the words that, I've, that I neglected to use that I think is important is this idea of fantasy and how that fits in with these like narratives that you're building or even these worlds you're creating. And fantasy... And even the studio spaces that you're building, and there's like an element of fantasy and, and like magic in these spaces. Um, but then fantasy hits reality at certain points in life. And I guess mm. this is this is where I want to start talking about when um, becoming a parent sort of like threw things into a new dimension for you, and it changed changed uh, how you work and how I imagine how you think about your work. Um, Rohan's two years old now. Um, we've talked about this before, but where you are now, like how how is being a parent affecting everything? I, I define it a lot as a dimensional shift. So yeah. using that word, it's like it's like you you know, he comes out and you you know, you're at the wherever he comes out, it happened to us at a hosp- at a birthing center, like at a hospital and and it it was awesome and Jung is it was amazing. I mean like I, I get like I'm going to like start crying thinking about <laughs> that day or whatever. But yeah, but then you come home and you're like, holy shit. Like it looks the same. It feels the same, but we are in a new dimension now. Like yeah. we, and there's no, and there's no way back. There's no, you know, I can't follow that voice or whatever. Right. There's no bridge back to the other dimension. Right, right, right. And man, time, it's, it's a struggle. And we, we get a lot of care. Like we get, you know, since four months old, we were doing like we did a nanny share. We we were really lucky in that um, 
there were three houses in a row on our street and everybody had a baby within a week of each other. So there were these three babies. You had a little community right away. We had a little baby community right away. Yeah. And so we, we did nanny share mix ups with, you know, two or three of them right away, like within four months. So we could go back to work. Yeah. And so, but, but even then, you know, it's like, I used to work, I used to go to work. I mean, I've, my hours have shifted over the years, but you know, I would go in the studio at 10 and I would come back at midnight. Yeah. And now I go in the studio at 10. I have to be back by like four, you know, something you're just like 4 PM, not AM. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I can't even, you know, I'm still like warming up the engine at four. Yeah. Like, so it's. It's, I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a struggle and it's, um, that's hard work. It's hard work. And like this, like, you know, this, this, this season for me, I do a lot of like printing. I mean, and it's changed a lot of things. Like my big, the big bread and butter for us for years was just us doing some touring. Yeah. And now you mentioned that before. Yeah. With lightning bolt. Yeah. With lightning bolt. And that's just not, I, I can't leave junk for that long. Like it's just, it's really hard to single parent for that long. Yeah. Our kid's not a good sleeper. He doesn't, you know, he's not a good listener. Like, he's a he's a pain in the ass. He's a two-year-old. He's a two-year-old. I think they're supposed to be all those things. Yeah, he's insane. So <laughs> it's, um, and he's amazing. And I, it's like, yeah. Yeah, but, um, so I can't go away that much. So that is out, you know, or slowed down. Have you made peace with that? No. I have not made peace with any of it. Because hmm. um, I remember when, when you were about to have your kid. Some friends we have in common are like, oh, this will be interesting to see how Brian operates around all this because he's such a nomad, like a like a like an artistic music you know, music based nomad, sort of like doing what he wants on his own schedule. And, and a kid, if you're going to be a committed yeah. parent, really kind of takes that away from you. I am not. I have not. I am not at peace. <laughs> <laughs> I am full of constant, you know, fury. But and unfortunately, it's not even fury I can tap into that well for like drumming because I'm too goddamn tired. <laughs> to get wound up it's like up. a snake eating its own tail kind of yeah but I, but it's it's we're making it what work. are you furious about is it a, is it just like the lack of space that you once had in time yeah i just or just just uh, just the, the like the slow crawl of the adjustment to being a parent it's a mixture of with both. a life like in the mix in the midst of the life that you've always lived yeah it's just a it's a mixture of all that stuff i would say i mean i'm not furious i'm like really happy sometimes i it's parenting is really hard. And I think, yeah, maybe a two year old is, is it's just keep, it's funny. It's like, it's, it was hard right in the beginning. And then, and, and, um, and then it just, it just keeps sort of the hardness changes. It yeah. just changes around. Yeah. It sort of scales along as they get older. I will say, and other people have said this, it, it does get easier as they get older. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. say that, but people have been saying that for the last, it just, it doesn't, just doesn't seem years, like it happens. Just, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, cause I don't, that scaling thing. Yeah. Yeah. And also the, the problems just change. Yeah. They just sort of, but, but it's amazing. I think, yeah, for me, it's just like, oh, I just like, I have so many things I want to do, you mm-hmm. know, like there's so much stuff I need to, and it's just been really hard. I feel like I've kind of been in desperation mode. You know, it's like to come in the studio, you have to pay someone, you're paying someone to. Yeah. There's so a whole nother layer. It's a whole nother the layer. The yeah. economics is, it's, it's for me, it's the economics because it's like, Taking away the touring has damaged the economic system. And so I have to like sort of, like, I feel like I'm back in this hustle. Yeah. And, um, and I had gotten used to, you know, still, I, I definitely like, I'm not good at with my money. So I was always like, I always get to the hustle at some point. Yeah. But it's not a big deal. It's just like, 
all right, I got to get money for rent or whatever. Right. But now it's just like we, I got to get ready for studio rent, and we have the apartment rent, yeah. and we have his daycare. You know. So yeah, you're like, more accountable yeah, to, to some, something than more than just I you. I can't like blow this. <laughs> I feel like I've always managed to have relationships with landlords and stuff where we become kind of friends for the most part. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, it might be a couple months later. I, I don't know, but everything's just, so yeah, it's just yeah. different. And, and it's been, um, it's been a slow, it's, it's just like, okay, I can't come into the studio and like warm up right. for five hours anymore. Like I got to come in and, just get going and um and it's just yeah there's less dilly dilly dallying that's something that i definitely recognize yeah Yeah. and what i don't like about that and what what's what what i'm maybe one of the things that i'm furious about or whatever furious that's a strong word but upside down about upside down about is just the inability to or just the struggle to get to the depth of thought that i like to put into certain things that i do yeah and specifically for me, I like I draw. I, I've historically drawn a lot of comics. Yeah. And um, I'm sure people, as you are using, yeah, you're using the comic as a using one of my books as a perfect um, paper holder thing. What do you call it? <laughs> a, a, uh, like a, a like lap a, table. Like a lap table. Yeah. It's perfect. And I haven't really drawn comics in two years because I um, I can't a because they don't make any money. You know, it's like you yeah. work five years and you get a couple thousand bucks, at least like where I am at yeah. in that game. Um, with bookmaking, you mean? With bookmaking. Yeah. You've said that like, and I've talked to you about this before, that sometimes taking on a book project or even an art show is a great way to make negative money. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, that, so you're sort of going there with that. Yeah. yeah. So so um, for me, like I have to sort of default to things that like financial are a little financially more stable, which sure. is like prints and then music still. Music. Yeah. Um, Music has the capacity to like, it's it's really like of all my different platforms, it's the one that's the, there's like the path of least resistance for yeah. it, which is awesome. Yeah, you know, and but with music, it's like you want to make an album, it's like a longer work. So yeah. I think just having entering this new dimension is sort of everything feels very much like I've got right now, I've got to finish something, I got to get something out there. We right. need to like make some cash. We got to pay this sitter. Right. Like here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so longer, working on longer works like a book or an album or stuff, it, it, um, or like a big painting or something, it, it feels harder to do right now just because yeah. like, it feels like a luxury. I think it's an appropriate feeling. I feel those. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit uh, further down the road as a parent, but I still feel that stuff too. And it's frustrating. I think that's a normal feeling. But um, then you go home, yeah. you know, so you're in the studio and you're just like, this, you know, this should feel, or sometimes feels, this feels, this is eternal. This is how I've always felt in the studio. I feel yeah. great. This is a great day. Here we go. Like, I'll finish up tomorrow. I don't know. Or, But those feeling, those days are great when, when things are landing in here, whether it's your music or the, the art you're making, and then you get home and then your kid's there and, and, and the kid's awesome. Like, I feel like those are fucking awesome days. Yeah, those are really Th- those good Those are something days. to work towards. Yeah. I, at least I, I that's how I work. But I like work last that. night, you know, last night he goes to sleep and he's up a half an hour later and, and it has an apparent ear infection. Oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah. So, to, and then and then we wake up this morning and our, our afternoon babysitter's canceled. It's just like, you're just yeah, like. life happens. Boom, bam, bam. Yeah, like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, we just had the weekend, man. Yeah. That, we just did a lot of parenting. Like, yeah. We're back at work, like, and it's all yeah. falling apart. So now, you know, well, it's important. What you're mentioning is like it's important, I think, for parents to catch a break. You're starting. To, we're starting to talk about um, kind of like art survival, like how we pay for this, how we, how we like, sort of 
monetize it for a lack of a better term or how we earn a living through this stuff. And one of the things I've always been impressed with with you is that you figured out like you figured out like an entrepreneurial angle where you're selling direct. Mm-hmm. So you're sort of sidestepping um, like a like a gallery system. Um, in fact, I think I, you've referred to galleries as, as graveyards before. That was for a different. That was that's an old. Term. That's an old quote. Yeah, that's okay. an old quote. But it's well, it's an old. I don't know if it's, it's an old quote. But it's an I, old I, I understand it as yeah. someone who's like puts work in galleries that you ho- you like nothing happens or very few people go through to see. It does feel like a graveyard, like a yeah. ghost town. So I understand that. But yeah, one uh, to to get back to what my original uh, thought was. Um, I think you're a great example of sort of an, uh, an alternative solution to selling artwork through a, through a gallery or through a person. Can you talk about how you figured that out for yourself and how you've been going about making the work and filling orders and distributing? Yeah. I mean, that's very much, I am like working social media. So it's yeah. it's like a modern thing or something that allows me to like, get through i don't know sneak through that way or just yeah. figure that monetary system out but yeah so i have i have like an online print store right. but then again it's it's for the most part it's it's prints so it's you know you're dealing with items that are like multiples multiples and yeah. also like low price point like 40 to which is another i think important part of what, how you're you've figured this out is the price points are um, approachable for people yeah to yeah. some extent i mean i'll still people are like it's fucking 40 bucks are you crazy <laughs> yeah you're like, oh god, um, but uh, yeah. So that, um, and then and it, it lines up with the music system too, because it's sort of like you know you play a show and it's like ten bucks again or whatever, and everybody can come and everyone can buy the album and everyone can buy a print, and so I I come out of that world. Like it makes yeah. it's very comfortable me yeah. for me to come out of the world where it's like a lot of people, you know, just like a lot of people paying a little to get a piece of this thing and yeah. keep my boat afloat versus someone rolling in and buying like one big giant thing or whatever. And then like putting in their, <laughs> their warehouse. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know a lot of people and I, and, and, and friends of mine who have more money have supported me with stuff too. Like I went to, we went to like our friends, th- four year olds, little birthday party last night at a friend's house. And they, they just moved into this new house and in their kitchen, they have this big collage by me that they bought. And it's, and it's awesome. They were yeah. like, and I and I have I sort of vaguely remember like when that when they showed up to buy that thing like I probably had like fifteen bucks in my checking account. Yeah, it was just like yeah, you know. That's a great story. Like this thousands of dollars thing is, yeah. So it's 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 and but that was within the community. That was like the sort of the same community that's buying the forty dollar prints, and some people can buy like a five thousand dollar thing. And yeah, and that I think I'm very much, I come out of like a community of stuff. Yeah. Like a, a, there's a community that I'm in and yeah. that's what supports me. Um, it's know. great. I mean, like it's, it's, it's all the stuff that, uh, you know, but I would love, it's all tactile. It's all like flippable, whether it's a book or a poster yeah. or a record, um, or a t-shirt. Um, but that's mean, not this is all the say, stuff we love. That's not to say that I wouldn't love to like, you know, put a lot of work into like a group of eight works and have a show and sell and, you know, have a which bunch you of, also do, which is which you, know, have, you know, we we, yeah. didn't, we need to mention that you also do put your work in in gallery spaces. And, yeah, I do. Yeah. I did not used to when I when I used to like rail against galleries. That was like the Fort Thunder era. Yeah, when I was like this, this is where art like this art is alive. Like I made I like decorated this whole wall, and then like a kid like 
rolled through it and busted a big hole in it. And yeah. then I like remade it and it was different. And like, this is living, breathing art. Like this is it. Yeah. But then like, again, like that, but then it, it's, it was unsustainable to some extent. Like you can't, Yeah. I couldn't do it anymore. Or it was taken away or things changed. And then when things changed and, and, um, and the next place I rented, I had to pay more than like $140 for suddenly galleries started to make more sense. Like, yeah. okay. I had a really dreamy situation and, you know, and it was awesome. And we sacrificed a lot to be in that situation, like living on top of each other and stuff. Um, I, I'm not there mentally anymore to do that. So now the gallery world makes sense. And, you know, and having a great gallery like system set up, like I worked with Cinder's gallery in New York for years, which are also kind of like, more aligned with my sensibilities like they would sell prints and zines and you know they're kind of an artist-run space kind of an artist-run space which is a bit you know like has a different spirit than like a commercial gallery yeah with air quotations right yeah Yeah. and i don't and i think maybe you know and and it's a mixed blessing i feel like i've in a way been i think people look at me as a person that deal runs in those circles like oh he's like a comic zine print art print guy whatever guy like he's like a street not it's not street guy but yeah. it's like a more like storefront guy yeah. <laughs> like i don't have street credit i have storefront credit <laughs> and so and it's its own curse too because then people sort of see you that way and you're not necessarily like a collectible artist because you're like i don't know because you're saturating your own market I, with yeah. a gazillion things yeah and yeah. i cheapen my brand because you can like get like a five dollar hand printed Zine no man, I think it's good and important, and and that it just is what it is. I I can't control. I don't it. know. I, I think it's it's admirable and and, and worth I, sort of saluting. Again, I don't. Yeah. I didn't choose this path. That's the funny thing. It's right. Just sort, just sort of, of like, naturally. I just have to be like this. You're responding so, to you're responding to what's in front of you, and pretty much and how things need to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Some people don't do that. So I guess just not. just being able to do that, I think, is a feat. But then Cinders is gone. They, you know, again, that was sort of unsustainable too. So they couldn't do it anymore in that way the rent went up whatever like their ideas their like place in life changed and so and so yeah after since then i've sort of taken it into and then social media rose up and i was able to somewhat take it in my own hands and then use just years of being in a band and being an artist and like to generate the support through my own system but man if you take away social media tomorrow you know like i'll have to work out some new systems right uh, let's, I want to take a few minutes to shift back to music, because uh, this is something that uh, um, um, uh, uh, someone in my orbit mentioned to me um, that I thought was really nice about your, your music, um, that you, that Lightning Bolt and Black Puss, by extension, because that's part of you too. Um, have which is f- my solo. Which is your solo project. Uh, have figured out a way to be kind of like heavy and soft at the same time. Does that, does that sort of land for you heavy by like the loudness i mean let's be clear that both your bands are so loud and um active and there's a fuzz to it and it's aggressive at times but we're like light but but there's some there's something soft in there too and i think that might be with the aesthetic of you guys as you perform um and also the ephemera that comes out as we were sort of talking about with with like album art and posters and shirts and the covers that you make um, but that scene, was that a choice or like trying to like combine these two like sort of sensations or is it just another sort of, this is how it happened and this is how it's coming out of us. That's kind of, I mean, I keep going back to that same thing. Like, no, not really, <laughs> not a choice. Yeah. Just, just, um, 
just where we like the I mean you know there's it's like a collision of your interests and who you are as people perhaps. I think so yeah. yeah the relationship between me and Brian I mean the funny thing about Lightning Bolt is if you, if you just like walk into a show of us playing and you were to like cut the band in half and look at yeah. it and then inspect the two sides separately from each yeah. other we're talking about Brian Gibson yeah Brian Gibson not to be confused bass. with Brian Chippendale yeah we're yeah. both named Brian which yeah. is of course yeah it's been a long going, just silly aspect of our band uh, when you're introducing yourself to yeah. people. Hi, I'm Brian. Yeah. His name's Brian, too. Another yep. thing you're probably aw- awfully exhausted talking <laughs> that, about. That one might be more than ever, just like <laughs> walking in and meeting people as a band. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't even know how to approach it. You should just it. introduce yourself as Tim. <laughs> I know. I just fucking make something new up. <laughs> but, um, but if you split us down the middle and you sort of look at the pieces, like it's just like it's just two really different people like in yeah. a room together. Yeah. It's a little like toddler play. Like we, um, you know, it's like my little guy and some other little person, like they're not playing together. They're playing. It's, you know, they're talking about different kinds of play. Like they're playing co-playing. They're co-playing. They're yeah. playing next to each other, doing their own thing. And me and Brian have always sort of done that. Like we, we very much have our own aesthetics. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like if you look at lightning bolt, you have like my half, which is like, in, like insane clown, posse or whatever like guy on a mask and his shit's all painted and yeah everything's decorated and like you know, and you do like in the middle of uh like gibson doing a something with his guitar you'll like create a totem of stuff yeah sometimes so there's like some there's some yeah. per, there's like some extra performance or i'm like telling joe i'm like yeah. i won't shut up in between songs yeah yeah you're you're, so you're you, kind you of a chatterbox that guy yeah. and then you and then the other guy you just look over there and and he's like i mean brian gibson's whole family is all scientists yeah so you've got like this like the thinking, you know, he's just like, he's very not still, flashy, yeah. very still, yeah. you know, he doesn't, he's not decorated. He's not wearing a mask. He like looks, you know, he's where we meet is that we both let our shit decay. Like we both, like he's not a very material person. So he tends to not like, like his stuff just like falls apart. Cause it, yeah, he's not thinking it's about run its that course. Much. Yeah. It, yeah. Ru- it runs its course and then it runs 10 more courses. <laughs> and then my stuff does the same. So we meet in this weird, and then we meet, we meet in this place of like not like I bash the shit out of my stuff so it looks like it's falling apart and yeah. he just doesn't look he just for, gets leaves it here and gets covered in spider webs or whatever and so it looks like it's falling apart but then we you know but then conceptually we both really like this idea of like we want to make this hypercharged music and we want it to like we want to run it right up against like right to the edge where it it frays or something yeah. at some some it's so hard to you know, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but yeah. but we meet in the middle. But yeah. um, and I don't remember what the question was. Just sort of like how how you're colliding the hard and the soft, right? But but you sort of described it with you and him in a way. It's almost me and him. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm, we're also just like really, we're like it's just like we're these nice people that yeah are general gen like generally happy people who right. make this loud kind of aggressive stuff. So. Right. I think it comes across that we're not, you know, we're not trying to be tough guy. Like we're just like kind of, it's nerd rock really, but it just, I think it's nerd rock made by, we're like maniacal enough that it comes across as like pretty heavy. And yeah. Um, it's besides the two year old, what keeps you up at night? What are your fears? (laughs) Just, just the two year old. And the fears are the two year old, like, you're like pushing the stroller or whatever. Or we don't even use stroller. He's got a little push bike that he's into. Yeah. And then you like look to the left and then he's, you look back. And he's like, on his way into the street. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I mean, that stuff is, that's the yeah. new nightmare. 
but then uh, then um i mean historically the other weird thing about me is that like i um not whatever weird it's not weird the the other just like layered aspect of what i make is that uh like in my comics generally uh, things get really political like i i do a lot of political satire mm-hmm. in my comics and in my own kind of like personal drawings and occasionally into my prints it comes out and um i mean so what keeps me up at night is just what's keeping all liberals up at night yeah and progressive current events these days yeah Yeah. current events oh my god what's um what's a dream project that that you've always wanted to do that just haven't had the time or the space or the budget or whatever that you you want to realize whether it's visual or or sound based i mean i think there's all the the lingering dream project and it, it it it's partially just that lingering dream that comes back every year with like revisiting Fort Thunder is to get, is to try to get involved in some like actual, and there's some people in town I've been talking to about this sort of stuff, like to get involved in an actual like space that kind of ties in all this, like yeah. all my art making, all that kind a of multi-purpose, stuff. Like a multi-purpose, multi-use, you know, like an installation yeah. base, just like, place and i don't know and how what 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 you know there's some of that stuff again going on across i like there's like uh the city museum in um st louis which is another like i have not been there again i've seen photos and i've heard the stories which Mm -hmm. is just this like amazing sort of art installation science i don't know i i definitely i think that sort of stuff would be rad if it had some component that was like, again, like for me, like the physicality of the world, like it had, it would have to have like an action component right? and not like a jujitsu class or something, but maybe, I don't know, yoga amongst yeah. art. I mean, uh, like so many horrible, really cheesy things you can like conjure up, but man, I think that's a, that's a great idea. I mean, I like this idea and it's something that um, Anik and I talk about is like this space that sort of does many things that we're all excited about. Yeah. Kind of yeah. somehow. So it's yeah. like, and, and also at this point it's like, obviously it would have to work for kids too. Cause sure. Like, well, oh, that's great. Well, Youth programming. Yeah. Like, f- like Fort Thunder esque youth Fort programming. Thund- we'll call it Fort Thunder light. <laughs> L- light as can be. Yeah. For toddlers. Yeah. Um, instead of 40 screws sticking out of the wall, there's just one. Yeah. Well, Brian, I think, I think we've covered some great ground and it was like a really, um, generous of you to, uh, you know, do this follow up to the, to the other conversation we did. But, um, again, like your work, I think is, has been influential to me and I don't know how many thousands of other people. So, um, I appreciate you participating in this project and, um, you want to go make some posters? Oh, yeah, let's draw some posters. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. The outro music you just heard is an amazing new song titled All Fucked Up by Brian performing as Black Puss. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about each contributing artist, access the archive of past recordings, and preview and purchase a collaborative print that Brian and I made by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also download an MP3 file of All Fucked Up in its entirety. Remember to share this project within your community and rate and review in the Apple Podcast directory or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and check back soon for a new episode.